This is how our shows go, Joel. We don't. <laughs> that's, how, that's how most shows go, buddy. We just show up. And yeah. if that's not yeah. enough, then they can cut our salary in half for our podcast salary. Right. We'll give everybody a refund either way. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hi, I'm George Tekmanchov. This is Easton Tugged Podcast number 173 here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson and a special guest today, Joel Turner of Shot IQ. Father Joel, of Bodie. Father of Bodie Turner, yes. And that's, that's pretty much all I'm known for now is Father of Bodie. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking sure maybe that a business... shifted big time um, in a matter of a weekend, right? Yeah, it sure did. <laughs> you know, you should just get a business card that says that or <laughs> something yeah. like that anyway. So go. Bodie Turner, for, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, which means you haven't been listening to the podcast, those of you who don't know, Bodie Turner is the 15 plus one day year old winner of the biggest indoor archery tournament in the world, the Vegas shoot of 2022, which took place just a month ago. Um, you know, and it was just an amazing evening, uh, of the youth kind of taking over Joel and <laughs> yeah. Steve. Yeah. You know, we it's, had Lico it showed me that senior class needs to be like 35 these days. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> But, the, you know, the reason that uh, Steve and I wanted to have you on the show, Joel, was to talk about the path that Bodhi took to get to uh, mm -hmm. standing on that top step. And a big part of that is uh, kind of uh, your side game, right. a program yeah. called Shot IQ. And, and it is not just a mental management program, right? It's more than that. And, and the reason, I think, is because you yourself are a very experienced shooter, not just with archery, but right. in my area of interest, which is in firearms as well. Very good. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's a real interesting path that I was set upon because I was a horrible shot, but I loved shooting. And, uh, you know, I've been on quite a few podcasts and told the whole story of, of how it all came to be. But basically, seven-year-old Joel Turner picking up a recurve and then eight-year-old Joel Turner being completely locked off target, but not caring and not knowing why, just slinging arrows. And then uh, just life progressed and through, through teenage years and early adulthood, locked off target, not knowing why. I mean, locked way off target and just dumping my bow into the target and, and all kinds of craziness. And in the firearms realm, if it was air rifles or 22 long rifles, I was your guy, right? I was your guy to, to shoot stuff. I, I used to work for USDA Wildlife Services. And when we had air rifle contracts or, or uh, small bore contracts on, you know, pigeons and starlings and all that stuff, I was, I was the man. And I was, and I was really good with a shotgun, but you put me on a centerfire rifle and I was worthless. And I mean, as soon as crosshairs would get on hair of a coyote, I would yank the crap out of that trigger, flinch, all that stuff. And that all started back when I was five years old when my dad let me shoot the 3030. Mm -hmm. Sure. And so then I became a police officer back in 2001. And in the academy, I mechanically fixed the problem because I was shooting a Glock. And then knowing that I was mashing the trigger on that Glock, I actually. Uh, switched to a 1911 in the middle of the academy, which was unheard of for a recruit to switch handguns in the middle of the academy. But I was looking for a mechanical fix to a mental problem. 
Yeah. And just for people that don't know what we're talking about, because we have a lot of international listeners and 1911 has a very, very fine, really excellent, crisp trigger. Even a bad 1911 is better than any Glock trigger. Right. And so executing a shot with a Glock, you're, you're really kind of pulling through an uncertain, squishy, yeah. plasticky feeling thing. Whereas with a 1911, <laughs> it is a very finely tuned trigger by comparison. And so you have much more control, I think arguably, um, if you're doing it a certain way and, you know, the difference between being able to shoot one well and the other, well, well, you got to work a lot harder to shoot the Glock. Well, so for those people that don't know what we're talking about, that's the difference. One is I'm going to say considerably easier to shoot. Well, as long as you don't develop any problems executing a shot. Right. And, you know, Joel, in your profession, um, in your day job, uh, sometimes that can be a matter of life and death. And sure. so the pressure of that kind of shot, and uh, not to, not to put too fine a point on it, but that kind of pressure is an entirely different level than even shooting for $50,000 with a bow and arrow uh, by yeah, far. It is, it is, but it's, but it's not. And, and the reason I say that is because we now understand the science of it. And if you understand the science of it, like back then when I switched pistols, I was trying to fix a mental problem with mechanical means. And I didn't understand the science of it. And then two years into my law enforcement career, I became a firearms instructor. I also got on the SWAT team and was instantly put on the sniper crew. And I was worried because how am I going to control my trigger press in a high stress tactical situation? And all the while you've got archery on the other side of the house. And I'm, I'm starting to control some shots on game animals and in tournaments, but not all shots. And that scared the heck out of me. And that's what, you know, and then Bodie, Bodie's born in 2007. And um, by the age of, well, 2010, by the age of three, Bodie is shooting. Um, I mean, he started shooting at 10 months old. He couldn't even stand up, right? He would draw his bow back and then he would fall over <laughs> and let, sure. his, let his suction cup arrow go. And, but by the age of three, I put him in a little tiny compound with a release, no sights, and he's punching the crap out of that trigger. And, but by 2010, somewhere in there, I had already, I'd become the lead firearms instructor for Washington state at that point because I was starting to figure things out and I was starting to figure out how to get people to actually concentrate on the trigger movement in high stress events. Mm -hmm. And I was able to replicate it myself a few times in two, once in 2008, once, once in 2010 in, in some bow hunting environments and in tournaments, I wasn't having any issues. I was able to actually control myself now, but back then it was just local 3d stuff. That's all it was. And so then things progressed and I'm watching Bodie at three years old, start to punch a trigger. So knowing what I knew at that time, I put him into a tension activated release. And so what that did for his mind is it made decisions for him. Basically pushing the safety, draw the bow back, let the safety off. And then if you don't pull, if you don't add expansion to the system, your bow's not going to go off. So he learned that and he shot with a clicker on his little longbow at that time as well. So I, I never let him get to where I was. 
I never let him get into the whole target panic thing because I was starting to really understand the science of it. And then I went down some paths of research that actually gave me the science because at that point, all I was dealing with was my experience. And so once I took the right courses in motor learning and performance, I was able to take the science and plug it into my experience. And then it became not Joel Turner's opinion anymore. It's just the science of how your mind works. And, you know, you can take it or leave it, but it's, it's, I'm not talking about what I think happens. This is what actually happens. And so it's not a mental management system. It is tangible mental tools that you can use in your high stress shooting events. And now Bodie at 15, we see that coming to light because he's, he's been in a lot of shoot offs and he has the tools to really excel in those shoot offs. Yeah, clearly. I mean, we saw the same thing earlier in the year at Lancaster and uh, I'm sure there've been other events, but we really started paying attention uh, when we saw what was happening in Lancaster. And mm -hmm. I, I would I say, believe, go ahead. Steve. I was just going back. I would say, you know, Bodie kind of showed up for me, at least on my radar, people started talking about this kid being a pretty good shooter. And then at the Rushmore Rumble, that was kind of our first event back, you know, after pandemic stuff and we had a real indoor event and he shot like 986X or something at 13 years old or whatever he was at the time and, or had just turned 14, I don't remember. And it was like, oh, this kid's for real, you know, very for real. <clears throat> and and then, uh, you know, I just got to know you and know him a little bit. And then he kept shooting 660s, like Lancaster scoring 660s at local events by you guys. And I kept writing on his Instagram, like, something is wrong with you, you know. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and then he did it at Lancaster. And we we're just like, man, we're, we're in for it with this guy. And, uh, you know, and then it was, it was truly – special to me to be on the target with him the first couple of days at, at Vegas. And I'd like to think uh, that I was a part of his success. I mean, I get what you're saying about a lifetime of scientific uh, yeah. application, but I'd like to think I had a shred of, of, uh, you know, responsibility in this a kid, but um, you know, watching him the first day and, he, he missed his very first X. His mm -hmm. first shot was a 10 and then he didn't miss another one. Right. And it was, and it was like not even close, like not even any that you're like, Oh yeah, that's an X. You know, it was just yeah. excellent shooting. And that's when I, I just started, I'm going to pay attention to what this kid's doing. Cause he's, he's doing something that isn't, it's be, he's a talented shooter, but what he's doing is kind of beyond talent. And I, I heard you say earlier and I wrote it down best what I could remember what you said. You said, you were trying to fix a mental problem with a mechanical solution. Right. And I think that's a lot of archers today. Yeah. A lot of archers. Yes. Yeah. It's you know, Joe, just let me mention one thing, if I may. And that is that, uh, you know, in the mind of a lot of us who've been in this industry for a long time, mm -hmm. the biggest challenge we have is retaining people. And the biggest challenge to retaining people is when they encounter uh, the broad strokes of target panic, the term, mm -hmm which is actually many different things. Um, we lose a lot of shooters and it is the biggest detriment to the sport of archery, sure. whether you're shooting a recurve or a longbow or a bare bow or a compound bow. Mm -hmm. And so uh, any tools that can be used effectively sure. to prevent the problem or to solve it once it has manifested 
could be an enormous advantage for those people who have dealt with the uh, the yips, as it's called in some other sports. And, mm-hmm. you know, it has application elsewhere as well. Um, sure. You know, I, I shoot a lot of USPSA and I see mm-hmm. I see shooters with the same exact thing. But, you know, they don't they don't acknowledge it for some reason in firearms. It doesn't seem to be as as well recognized as it is in archery. Well, but, in, you know, in that in that firearms realm, you can work your race gun trigger. I mean, there's science behind everything that you're saying. Right. And in in your USPSA, it's not you are, um, you know, you can go open loop on the trigger. You can slap the trigger. But because the trigger is so light and the trigger stroke is so short. You have limited the range of motion of the pre-ignition movement, so you can stay in the A zone on the target. But in archery, if you go open loop on the trigger, meaning too fast for you to stop or modify, trigger punching, right? If you do that, there's too many things at stake, and you have have allowed range of motion into the shot. So you have to go with the other control system, which is closed loop which means it's slow enough you can stop it, slow enough you can gain feedback within it. So in Bodhi's shot, the difference in Bodhi's shot and a lot of other archers is he's not fighting science at any moment in his shot. He's not trying to aim harder, right? And he knows how to make conscious decisions inside of his shot process so that it increases his presence so that he can concentrate at that moment of truth. I mean, he is in those, in those shoot offs, you can ask him, you can, if you listen to Bodhi's answers during shoot off interviews, he'll tell you exactly where his conscious mind is. And as long as it's in the movement of the release, then he's going to hit it in the middle. Why wouldn't he? Because if he does that, if he keeps that conscious mind in the hinge and moving that hinge at a rate slow enough he can stop it then there are no pre-ignition movements that are linked to that motor program but it's yeah go ahead george no no, i was just going to say the same thing applies on the recurve side too sure you know we're shooting a clicker which gives you a um, a tactile if it's used properly uh Mm -hmm. reaction you know you're actually Mm -hmm. feeling the clicker and it's the same thing you're in our case we're waiting for the thing to click but it is really a function of focusing on motion mm-hmm. and keeping the motion rather than aiming because aiming stops you and causes the clicker physically, you know, the interaction between the arrow and the clicker to physically stop. And yeah. that results in some pretty amazing things that you may have seen if you've ever watched you know, uh, Olympic video and things of that nature. So uh, you're talking in the context of, an archery release on a compound bow, but the same exact phenomena phenomena. apply to the recurve. And therefore I think that um, some of your findings definitely have application across the board. Sure. And when you, you mentioned something there that you are waiting for the clicker to go off. And that is one of the major problems in archery is that we find ourselves waiting. And if you are waiting for something to happen, that means you're trying to get the subconscious to do it for you. So you find yourself in this thought process of when's this thing going to click? Why hasn't it clicked yet? This is taking forever, right? And those are the people that are stuck. Their conscious mind is stuck in the question. Exactly. When and why and all these things instead of 
putting that conscious mind into the movement that makes the clicker click or makes exactly hinge fire or thumb button or whatever you're shooting. So it is the ability to concentrate on a movement that causes an explosion. And that's why it's so difficult for the human mind to comprehend because it's, we are built for the opposite of that. You are built to brace yourself for impact. And so every one of these shots that we shoot requires a conscious override of your central nervous system. And that's what we have discovered. And that is what we, that's what we teach. I, I don't say that I'm a shooting instructor. I say that I teach the conscious defiance of human nature through shooting. <laughs> I like right? that phrase, the conscious defiance of human nature. Right. That's an excellent I'm going to not do what I want to do here. Oh, go ahead, Steve. You're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Come on. No, man. that's the conscious defiance of human nature. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were referring to your specific uh, usual yeah. introduction here. But yeah, you're right, Steve. That's right. Yeah. Your mind wants to punch the trigger so that it can time the explosion of the bow so that it can brace you for recoil. Well, Impact. I'll say this. Um, first and foremost, for anyone who's hearing this, anyone who's listening to this, at least go to the shotiq.com website and read up on, you know, the about section. And this will explain a little more of what you've gone through, but mm -hmm. I am going to take the class. I'd encourage a lot of people to what's really crazy here. I'm looking at, I'm looking at what you've got on the website. Mm -hmm. You offer a course for $200. Is that right? Right. About the same price as a release, right. which is the thing the mechanical solution that people <laughs> use to fix a mental problem. They go and buy a new release. Yeah. I just uh, put out a post today speaking exactly to that because every day I'm dealing with, with folks that will call me or text me or message me and, and, you know, this isn't working. I've tried this forever and this doesn't work. I'm like, nothing works for you in shooting. You are built to brace for impact. That's what your mind was, is there for. It's there to keep you safe. So, you know, if you buy a different release, it doesn't work any better than your old one. It just might have a different sear system that's easier to evaluate. It might break cleaner, and those are all good things, right? Or but, it tricks your mind into knowing when the impact is going to sure. come, and it braces at a different point. Sure, it does. For a period of time. Sure. There's always a honeymoon period, right? <laughs> well, it's the same reason you see golfers buying new putters. Sure. So moving forward from this, because uh, one, we don't want to go down the rabbit hole of this is something people should go check out and, and in my opinion, pay for. So we'll let them do that from here. Just talking about you and Bodie. Mm -hmm. um, so if I understand right, Bodie wins Vegas. Um, he has you place a proxy bet of $10,000 on the roulette wheel. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, maybe, okay, that didn't happen. No, um, it didn't happen. It's uh, it's kind of a life-changing thing for a lot of people. And, you know, I joked with you and, and Bodie that I was like, all right, that's cool. You won Vegas, you know. And, and I said, now what do you got to do, your algebra homework upstairs? And you, <laughs> you said he did have homework that night. Oh, so yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't really changed much of anything. Oh, well, it, it actually changed everything for me. It didn't change that much for Bodie. 
other than gave him a bunch of money to invest, which was really cool to start his, you know, his life. It might be the smartest thing I've ever heard from somebody his age, by the way, but that's a, well, I, I, I asked right away. We were on the floor and I said, Bodie, I said, I said to Joe, I said, what are you doing with this? Don't let him go buy a boat or something. He said, no way we're going to invest it. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it allowed me because it, it just blew up shot IQ. Shot IQ was doing well before that, but now it's just, it's, it's everywhere now. So it allowed me to retire. So April 1st is my last day as a police officer. Congratulations. And thank you for your service. Congrats. That is, it it literally changed everything for us. And, and uh, now it's just shot IQ full time and I'm, I'm traveling all over the country starting in April and, you know, the online course is there and it's just, uh, yeah, it's a real life changing event. And it's, it is definitely time for me to step away from the law enforcement end of things, which, I mean, law enforcement gave me all of these things and allowed me to experiment on new police officers that were going to be under stress. And, and it's just, it, it gave me everything. And then Bodie's win really topped it off and, and just sent it through the roof. Nothing yep. succeeds like success. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Congrats on that for real. Thank you very much. And you know, I, I I jokingly said, you know, a $200 release is is not always a solution. If I'm in reality, you know, being real about someone's archery career, um, you know, me personally when I was trying to make a career out of it for myself, uh-huh. I ran up a gigantic credit card debt, you yeah. know, and I was trying to make it and mm-hmm. I would go and spend 200 bucks on a release and, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it wasn't to solve problems necessarily. Um, it was just to figure out which one I liked the best. And then, you know, if I could go back and, and you were there 10 years ago, I, I would have still spent all that money on releases and equipment. Mm-hmm. And I'm never going to let my equipment be a detriment to me. Like I will in everything I do, I want to have the best equipment. So it may not help me be a better golfer, but I'm going to make sure I have the best golf clubs, right? That's first and foremost, never let your equipment hold you back, but then go get the lesson, go take shot IQ, you know, from there on move forward um, and learn to do things the right way. Cause that equipment will benefit you. Once you know, if you know how to shoot, right. If you've learned yeah. shot IQ and you've got that down pat, yeah, you're going to want to try some different releases and figure out, which one is exactly right for you. So yeah, you to- really, you really start to figure out which one can I evaluate the best? It's not, you don't buy it because it's the only one you can control. Right. You should be able to control them all, even down to the, the, you know, lowest price one there is to the highest price one, be able to control them all, but which one gives you the best movement that you can evaluate. Right. Yes. And, and then, yeah, again, move forward from there. But now you're not you're not putting a bandaid on yep. on the issue. You're 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 really kind of supplementing what you already have, which sure. I think is is pretty cool. So yep. yeah, I mean, and you know, I'll say this as well. Having gotten to know Bodie a little bit over the last year and shooting with him a couple of days, like as good as a shooter he is, I think he's honestly a better kid. So more more <laughs> props to you for that. He is I appreciate a- it. He's, he's kind of an old soul, I think. Like, he's way more mature than me, and he's less than half my age. So, um, I'm that's not sure. Low, what that's a low mean. bar, Steve. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, um, you know, for real, congrats on that. I You know, Thank having you. come up in, in sports and had a lot of teammates and seen the difference in 
in how people are raised and the good and the bad, I mm-hmm. feel I feel pretty good about Bodie going forward. And yeah, a, a lot of our enthusiasm yeah. about the outcome of what happened in Vegas has to do with the fact that it's pretty obvious that he's a great kid, and it's yeah. really nice to see somebody uh, like that that you know has that personality um, and that humility to be a representative at the highest level in our sport. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And as a parent, you must, you deserve to be proud, but I, I wish there were more parents like you out there. <laughs> I was, <laughs> was going to ask you an impertinent question about how do you not become one of those parents that, you know, we've seen in the past drive talented shooters out of the sport, but we don't need yeah. to get into that. It's Except the- to say that, you know, I think that you, you've done it right. And the proof is there. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, you know, I have lots of parents that are contacting me these days and, and, you know, giving your kid this opportunity to succeed where you don't have the frustration. Imagine not having the frustration and where you can go with that. It's incredibly you know, you important. And, shoot, and you know exactly how you're going to do what you're going to do. And if there is a problem, you can fix it. You basically become your own coach and it is, it's phenomenal. I mean, these kids can just blossom and, and do so well in life if we give them the right tools, but I just, a lot of people don't know the right tools yet. So that's, well, or uh, they try to buy the tool from the standpoint sure. of a piece of equipment, as opposed to a piece of software, shall we say? Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I, um, uh, yeah. Lastly, I was, uh, joking with Bodie again this is a common theme me making (laughs) jokes to him I said uh I said how was it walking into high school with an extra 70,000 in your bank account (laughs) and I said you know I I truly I worried about him I said people will eventually figure this out and I'm like he he just out earned probably all of his teachers, you know, in one oh, yeah. weekend, he out earned their yearly salary. And I was like, man, I hope that works out for him. Teachers. I don't want to be vindictive or anything to him, you know, poor yeah. kid. Well, we, we, won't, we won't allow that to happen. So yeah. he said, he said, Oh, it wasn't too bad. You know, no one really knows who I am still. They yeah. announced it over the speakers. Yeah. They, they went to a play the other night and I guess the, the character was shooting bows or something and said, Bodie Turner's got nothing on me. <laughs> Some high school play that he went to. So. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole nother world. Then, you know, your typical Vegas winner sure. as of late has been, uh, you know, well out of that world. And uh, it's yeah. just interesting. I, I enjoy, I've always enjoyed my interaction with him and with you as well. And, yeah. and, uh, we need to have Bodie on at some point. Um, yeah, for sure. Finish with his homework too. So yeah. we want to have you on. We wanted to talk about shot IQ. Yeah, We've got that. a much different listenership than uh, a lot of other podcasts you've been on. I know you've been busy with it. And I know you're busy with shot IQ. So Joel, really thank you for taking the time. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. And Joel, the, the uh, shot IQ website is shotiq.com. You have yes, these sir. online courses, but you're also going to be doing some in-person um things in the future right yeah i'm traveling all over the country i do uh i do clinics upon request so somebody will request a clinic and then they'll they take care of gathering all the folks for that and then i don't be terribly surprised if you start getting some international inquiries after this yeah well i i hope so
I do too, because yeah. I'll tell you that once again, as somebody who's been in this sport for a very long time, um, the solution to this kind of problem is the most valuable thing we could have right. to grow the sport, to retain those people who come into the sport. Every archery federation, World Archery has 166 countries, and every one of those countries reports 30% churn per year. Really? Imagine if we could hang on to those people. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. I've, I mean, I've trained folks from across the pond, and it's uh, it's very interesting. They have a different philosophy on things over there, but it's uh, and it has led to a lot of target panic. So sometimes because of yeah. because of the uh, it's really important early on to learn what's important. I think that's the bottom line here. And the yep. sooner you can learn what's important in the shot process, the easier it is to avoid all of this sort of problem that we're discussing. And I think that what you're doing is very important work. So thank you for taking the time to explain to us uh, some of it. And it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. I appreciate it, sir. That was great having uh, Joel on. Thanks for doing that, Steve. Yeah, Joel, good guy. I mean, I don't really know Joel that well, truthfully, but I can tell he's a good guy. I can tell. We can see the results, you know? Yeah. Him and his wife, Bodie, the whole family, good people from everything I can tell. Maybe they've got like a big hole in their backyard or something. You no, know, no, thanks. Just so. kidding. Joe Dirt style. <laughs> no, so. super good people. And it is really cool what he's doing. And, and George, where you said it's important what he's doing, it truly is. And you know what I would liken this to is probably about, I'd say maybe about 12 years ago, a lot of the equipment knowledge that existed over here in the u.s started being passed over elsewhere in the world and you saw a a definite rise in that point at the competitive level especially in the european archers um you know 12 years ago the americans were very dominant more so like the americans are still very good and they're i i don't want to you know upset anybody but i think the american men's compound is is the most dominant in compound. Oh yeah, and, still the case, but you know the, yeah. the gaps. But now it's narrower. it's nowhere near what the level it was 12 years ago. And you know that, right. like I said, that, and I'm speaking strictly to compound archery here, but that knowledge started getting passed over, um, and then you had the rise of, you know, the Mike Schlossers and Stefan Hansons, and now a bunch of other these younger Europeans that are coming up looking really good. Yeah, and, and the Koreans are working on the same thing right now. So yeah, you know and. You know, this is probably going to be likened unto that in that people will take this knowledge that Joel is willing to share, apply it to their shooting. And if they truly do it and truly apply it, like a a mass of people are going to be considerably better than they otherwise would be. This doesn't mean that everyone's going to be a 900 Vegas shooter. But it, instead of being an 895 guy, maybe you've got a chance of being, you know, an 898, 899 guy. The way I see it, they have a much better chance of enjoying the sport and not getting right. frustrated out of it, which is what right. concerns me at this point. You know, yeah, crippling target panic is like there's nothing you can do really to fix that uh, when you when you're enduring it. I I have had it before. I've never had it like to the point where it ended my shooting but it's it's just like someone hitting a duck hook with a driver like it makes them quit golf and crippling target panic makes people quit archery and you're you're right when you say like the churn of people um i don't remember if you said this 
on the show or offline. Yeah, I mentioned it was 30%. Yeah. Yeah. 30% of people rotating in and out of. And that's just about everywhere. Yeah. Of Federation. So, you know, you look at the biggest Federation, which is France, 30% churn per year. Even if they stay the same size, it's 30% new people. Yeah. And they grow, they grow slightly every year, but you know, they're they're at about 70, 72,000 shooters. Imagine if they kept 30% of that every year, how big they'd be. And so I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to run out there, but you know what? There's a clue here. And I think it's a, a powerful one. And I think that this resource is a very good one, provable that it has worked, not just for Bodie, but obviously for a lot of other shooters. And yeah. anything, folks, that you can do to help prevent this issue in your sport, in archery, definitely will keep you enjoying archery longer. And that's why when Steve mentioned that he wanted to have um, our guest on, Joel, uh, I was I was pretty happy to hear it because I think that that's an important uh, contribution that he is making to the sport. Speaking well, of important stuff in our sport, yesterday was the uh, the World Women's International Women's Day, and the Guinness World Records uh, Organization has named Sarah Lopez as the most successful female archer. Uh, and the winningest archer in the history of archery uh, World Cup um, with, you know, six titles uh, and two Guinness World Records now, three World Archery Ratified Compound Women's World Records. She is officially, according to Guinness, the goat of archery, the greatest of all time uh, for women's compound. Hard to argue that. I mean, you know, she's... You know, <laughs> first first woman to shoot a perfect 150. Um just you know, just a legend, and uh, and still at it as uh, as the new season is about to start. Yeah, has shot nine hundred. So I thought that was a very nice tribute to Sarah Lopez and to uh, uh, you know uh, her amazing record of uh, twenty seven gold medals, seven silver medals, six bronze medals across competitions just in the World Cup. Seven gold medals, one silver medal and a bronze at Youth and Senior World Championships. Champion at the World Championship, Championship at the World Games, Championship at Pan American Games. All the regional events that she has entered, she has won. Um, Just an amazing individual. And so uh, just a little bit of a tribute there to Sarah Lopez. Very cool. Very cool to see. Cool to see archery getting some press from Guinness. We're at about T minus two weeks to Louisville and the NFAA Indoor Nationals, as well as the grand final of the USA Archery Organization's finals for the Indoor Nationals. What are you doing to get ready? Um, just going to shoot my bow and arrow. And I'll probably uh, take a shot IQ course, too. I'm not kidding. I'm going to do that. So, Hey, you know what? I, I honestly believe that that is a uh, time well spent. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I watched again, I'm going to go back to the mechanical side of this, but I'm going to take the course. I'm going to reevaluate maybe some of the things I've been doing. You know, I shoot with a click. Joel mentioned that we kind of brace ourselves for impact. A click is very much bracing yourself for impact. Can be. Now you're going, boom, I know when this is coming, you know, at least with a hinge release. Um, so maybe I'll reevaluate that. Maybe I'll pull the click. Maybe I'll slow things down. Look at a forefinger. I don't know yet. Don't or use the click in a different part of the shot cycle. There's more than one way to handle this. Yeah, there's a lot of this. So I'll I'll 
All this well, that's the kind of answers be, that he, yeah, that's the yeah. kind of things that he has looked into very, very seriously. And I've heard his explanations of how his system works, and it makes sense to me, knowing what I know. And uh, I will say that I believe that we are looking at an opportunity here for a lot of shooters. So, yep. Thanks for thanks for getting him on here, Steve. Yeah, sure. All right, sure. we're going to wrap this one up, and we'll be back with another Target podcast next week when we'll talk about some more of the latest from the world of archery and uh, find out how Steve's doing on the new program. This might be the only way, the only time we've ever actually like ended a show. <laughs>